There are 39 milahot which constitute forms of work forbidden on the Sabbath. It's the why behind the way we do the things we do. Join Rabbi Musha Schnurb now for Hilchos Shabbos, only on 101.9 High FM. Hi FM, this is Soul to Soul. Back on your radio, Erev Shabbos Kodesh, Pasha Shalach Lachom, Tov Shin Pei Gimel, Shabbos Mavarchim, for Kodesh Thomas, and a very, very warm welcome to our entire radio family. Thank you so, so much for putting on your devices, your phones, your radios, whatever it is that is the means that you use to listen to Chai FM. We're so glad to have you on board because we really, really have a fantastic show for you today. Baruch Hashem. Lots of nice ideas on the Parsha and of course at the end, our segment on Hilchah Shabbos. There's so much to learn, so much we need to know, so much we want to know. So let's not waste any time. Let's get right started. Right with the beginning of this week's Parsha. We know this week's Parsha is Parsha's Shalach Lecha, where the story of the Miraglim, the spies that are sent to look over to Shal and and make decisions as to how the Jews are going to conquer. But of course, they, for whatever reason, had their own agenda, or at least 10 of the spies did. And they came back having seen things through very dirty glasses and drawn their own conclusions and somehow undermined the Jewish nation's excitement about going there to Israel, and the whole thing went pear-shaped, and HaKadosh Baruch ended up getting very angry at the Jewish nation, and declaring that no one from that generation would go in to Eretz Israel. The Pasha begins, Shalach Lachanashim. Rashi asked the question, we know the immediately previous Pasha was the discussion at the end of last week's Pasha of how Miriam spoke Lashon Hara about her brother Miriam, about her brother Moshe, and was punished <coughs> with Tzoraz. So Rashi asked, Why was this whole story of the spies juxtaposed to the story of Miriam? Explains Rashi, the Fisheloksa al Iske Diba, she was punished because of Lashon Hara she spoke, she that she spoke against her brother. and these wicked people they saw and they did not uh, uh, sort of get the get the message and they continued to speak Lashon Hara also. And the question we ask is, what is this word ro'u they saw? It seems to be an extra word. Rashi could just have as yet said, these Rashaim did not get the message, did not smell the coffee. What do you mean they row? So, there's a, a, a beautiful shot by the Sefer of the, 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 the Sefer Syatta de Shmaya, where he says, the Gemara says in, in Brochus, Amrab Yochan, Negoyim Ubonim, if a person has Negoyim, Tzoras, and one's children, those are not suffering that Hashem brings upon a person simply because he loves him and he wants to further, further purif- purify him. And the Gemara asks, what are you talking about? Are you saying that Negoim, that Saras, is not a, a punishment out of love? But we have a Bryce that says, anyone who has one of these four types of Negoim, of afflictions, so, Einan Elam Mizbah Kapara. This is a, a altar of atonement for the person. So, so we see that, uh, uh, it, it is done as, as, as a means of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, giving you the opportunity to cleanse yourself and come closer to him. Answers the Gemara, the second answer. One's talking about where the affliction is in a place that's hidden, sort of under your clothes, where no one is going to see it. And one is where it's in the open. Rashi says that. But what does it mean, Bitsina hidden, where it's under your clothing so no one sees it? So then, that is really a Yisrael Shlav. That's a message only for you. And if it's a message only for you, then that's, that's a, a representation of Hashem's relationship with you. But 
where the Negoyim are in a place that everyone can see them. So that's already, now you're embarrassed, now there's a, the whole community knows about it. Those, that's no longer punishment that expresses Hashem's love for you. That's a punishment. So he says, basically, we can answer the question. Rashi had a difficulty. Why did the Torah put the Pasha of Meraglim right next to the Pasha of, of, of Miriam? And if you're going to say, well, you know why they're put next to each other? Because she was punished because of her Lashon Hara. And they didn't take the lesson, but the Meraglim could easily have answered, no. The, 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 the perhaps the afflictions of Miriam are not a punishment because she spoke about Moshe, but they are rather suffering of, of lava, of, of love, of Ava. After all, Miriam was a huge Sadekis. Right? And maybe that's why it happened. But when Rashi is very, very exact, and he says, no, these were showing Moreau. They were able to see the afflictions. In other words, the, 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 the Nagoyim were in a, in a, in a visible place. Therefore, they weren't Yisurim Na'ava. They were a punishment, and the spies should have learned from her punishment, and and sadly, they they, they didn't. This is 101.9 Chai FM. We'll be back in a moment. Grammar Soul to Soul. We'll be back in a moment. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM, this is Soul to Soul, back on your radio, Erev, Shabbos, Kodesh, Pasha, Shalach, Tovshin, Pei Gimel, and a warm welcome to all of our radio family, thank you so much for joining us, we really, really appreciate and look forward to spending a bit of time together on this Erev Shabbos, what an amazing Pasha, Pasha, Shalach, so much to talk about, but today I want to focus on something that maybe we don't usually talk about in connection with this Pasha. We usually talk about this Pasha as being the example of the negativity of Lashon Hara, of speaking negatively about people, about places, about things, and the terrible detrimental effects that that can have. We talk about often about Eretz Yisrael, about the beauty of, of Eretz Yisrael, and how the opportunity they had to go there and say beautiful, laudatory, praiseworthy things about the beautiful land of Israel and Hashem, set it up for them that they should be able to see the beauty of the land, and instead, because they had their own agenda and their own subjectivity, they decided to say negative things. There's so much to talk about. And then, of course, at the end, we have the Pasha of Tzitzit. But I, I want to present a particular, perhaps it's a halachic discussion, about something that does come out from this from this Pasha. Pasha, of course, starts, Shalach Nashim. Send for yourself men Kodesh Baruch says to Moshe Rabbeinu, look, you don't really have to send spies. You know, I've told you, the land of Israel is great, is super, is superlative, is nothing better in the world. But if you're, if the people are really pressuring you and you really want to do it, go ahead. I'm not going to stop you. But uh, this, the, the, the mission is fraught with all kinds of, of, of danger. Now, there's a very fascinating Zayra Kodesh. Zayra Kodesh, way back in Pashat Vayera, actually says, he explains that when you have a guest and you, you, the guest is leaving, the guest is taking leave of your, of your accommodation, of your, of your largesse, and he's about to leave and you as the host accompany that guest on his way, and you fulfill the special mitzvah because we know hachnasat orchim, welcoming guests, has uh, three dimensions, right? There's the obvious of feeding him, and and uh, means giving him food, giving him drink. If he needs lodging, then of course to give him a place to sleep. And then the last part is is levia, is accompanying him. In fact, it's learnt from from Avram Avinu. Where it says by Yita Eshel, he planted an Eshel. Eshel, some kind of a, a different, different, uh, uh, different explanations. Trees, a hotel, but the Chacham said that Eshel is a acronym for Aleph is Achila to eat, Shin is Shtia to drink, and Lamit is Lina where needed to provide accommodation for him to stay over overnight. 
and then also when he's leaving to give him the uh, give him a send off, uh, you know, give him what he needs for the for the uh, for the journey. And he says that the Zohar says that if someone does, the host does accompany his guest and take him and take him uh, on 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 the way. It causes that the holy shechina so connects itself to that guest, and it, it protects him, and and it looks and it guards it guards over him. So by by accompanying the guest on its way, and it doesn't have to be very far. You 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 do tremendous tremendous things for that guest. You cause the shechina to accompany him, and he will look after him, and that will virtually mean that he will be successful on his on his journey. The, that same comment is made later on in the uh, in the years that uh, when Yaakov Avinu was uh, thought for the 22 years that Yaakov thought that his son Yosef was no longer alive because the brothers had come and presented a scenario as if Yosef had been had been had been killed. So he was uh, uh, constantly worried and, and, and sad and said, Ki ovel I'm going to go down to my son as a mourner, Sha'ila. And Sha'ila, we know, is an expression of, of uh, one of the dimensions of Gehinum, of, of uh, ultimate suffering of the soul after the death, is, is, uh, is, is Sha'ila. And the reason for that was because he felt incredibly, incredibly guilty. And he, in fact, uh, was very worried that he, in fact, might even be punished for the fact that, uh, and was somehow responsible for, for the death of, of, of Yosef. Where, and, and because of that, he may even have to go down to, to uh, Gehinnom. Why? Because he sent Yosef on a mission to go check on his brothers and find out where they were, which of course led to his sale, near death and, and sale. And Yaakov was feeling guilty because he did not accompany Yosef and send him off on his journey without some, some potkos, without some, some, uh, food for the, for the, uh, for the road. And he felt Absolutely responsible for the death of Yosef. That had he gone with him, he would have provided him with that divine protection that could have saved him in in the situation he found himself in. So it comes out that Yaakov Avinu did not fulfill this mitzvah of accompanying Yosef when he sent Yosef away to to check on on his brothers. On on the other side, we find. It says by Yaakov, when in fact they took, came back 22 years, 22 years later, and they told him that Yosef was alive, so it says, boy, ki he'emin lahem. He, 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 he is, his heart nearly stopped, because he did not believe uh, their report that he was alive. Right? But then, it says, they spoke to him, right? All the way, it's called Divrei Yosef. They told him everything that Yosef had said to them. And then it says, Vayares Golis. He saw the wagons that Sheshalach Yosef Loseis Oisoi, that the Yosef, that Yosef had sent to transport him to Mitzrayim, Vatachi Ruach Yaakov Avim. And Yaakov was revived. The Shkina then came back as, as Rashi says. In fact, Rashi, uh, 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 comments on the fact, why was it? Why in the beginning, why was it that at the beginning, Yaakov did not believe what his sons were saying, and only when they told him what Yosef had said, and he saw the wagons, then, now he suddenly believed what the brothers were saying. And Rashi explains, because Yosef sent a message to his father, and he sent him a sign. He says that the very last thing that we were learning before, before I left 
was the sugya, was the whole discussion about the egla arufa. Egla arufa, we know, is a situation where someone is killed in the felt uh, between, between two cities, and we don't know. So we have to, there's a whole process. We have to measure to the nearest city, and then when we find out which is the nearest city, which may very well be, may very well have been the city where this person came from. So then the elders of that city have to, uh, have to come, right? And, uh, and they have to, uh, uh they have to say a, a, a testimonial. They have to confess and, and make a statement, declaration, that your day after they, they shech this, the, the they behead a, a calf in a barren valley, and they say, Our hands did not spill this blood. We know nothing about it. And, and the Mishnah, in the, in the very end of, of Saita, explains that the, the, intent, the intention, what they, what they mean with this declaration is that we never saw this guest and we allowed him to leave the city without fulfilling this mitzvah of accompanying him, of providing him with food, of providing him with directions, of, of allowing him to benefit from the accompaniment of the Shekhinah. Because, because if we had seen him, right, so, or if, if they, they had been aware of this person, and they had not done anything about it, then it would have been considered as if they spilt his blood and this person's death was then their responsibility. Because if they had, if they, if they had accompanied or they had seen to it, if they had enacted practices in their city that would have, that would have ensured that all hosts accompanied their guests away, then you would have had the protection and would have been saved from, from, from death. So based on, on, on this, so how we can understand, how, how can it be that Yaakov Avinu did not fulfill the mitzvah of accompaniment when exactly, that was the suya, that was exactly what he was learning with Yosef at the time when he sent them away. It's a very, very difficult question to, 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 to ask. And please God, we'll deal with it after the break. This is 101.9 FM. The program is Soul to Soul. We'll be back in a moment. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, this is Soul to Soul, back on your radio. Erev Shabbos, Kedish, Pasha, Shalach Lecha, Tov, Shin, Pei, Gimel. We are discussing a very, very relevant topic. We'll, we'll see still how it's very, very relevant. And we ended off with a very big question. We see that Yaakov felt very guilty about sending off his son Yosef to check on his brothers without accompanying him. And the question we asked was, how could he have done that? The, the, this, the, the signal that Yaakov and Yosef set up to identify Yosef was that he says the last sugya we learned together was about sending away your, your guests, about the Pasha of Egla Arufa, and how the, the elders had to declare that they made sure that all their guests in their town were accompanied on their journey because that helps protect the person to a great extent. So how can it be that Yaakov and Yosef, who were learning that very sugya before he left, how could Yaakov have not accompanied Yosef on, on his journey? So this question actually is asked by the Chidah in his Sefer Pnei uh, Dovet, there in, in Pashas Vayigash, and he answers, quoting a Sefer called the Drush uh, Shmuel, says that Yaakov Avinu did accompany, right, his son with the intention that he would go to Shechem, because that's what, that's where he was sent. He was sent, go to Shechem and see your brothers and report back how they're doing. And in fact, Yosef didn't find his brothers in, in Shechem, and the Malach Gavriel told him that they're in fact, they left Shechem and they went to Doisan. And Yosef won, Yosef went and followed them, and there, in Doisan, 
That's where the sale of Yosef took place. And the, the protection of, of the guarding of, of, Yo, of Yosef being accompanied on his way by Yaakov was only until Shem. But when Yosef sort of changed his flight path and he went to Dyson, so therefore he didn't have the protection anymore. That's one answer. He give, the Chidah gives a second answer, quoting the a sefer called Mishchas Kodesh, which is uh, uh, the author of of the uh, sefer Bal Mavor Yaboik, right, and who brings the the uh, whole process of how Yaakov accompanied Yosef. And he added that it was in the schus of this whole process that he did that he was actually saved from his brothers and that they didn't manage to kill him. The Chidah actually adds that with this, that's what, how Yosef you, you was able to prove to his father that he was in fact still alive through this simon of the Eglarufa. In other words, this was only a, 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 a sort of a technical kind of sign that I still remember the fact that uh, uh, the, the, the information that only I could have, could have possibly known. That there was something very, very deep over here, much more than just meets the eye. Yaakov sent his father the message, Daddy! I don't understand. Why did you think that I was, that I was killed? How could you have thought that I was, I was killed? Right? You're the one that taught me in the Pasha of Eglarufa that if a person accompanies his friend on the journey, so he has this special divine protection and, and nothing bad could happen to him on the journey. And therefore, that's why I'm alive. That's why I was saved. And in fact, I'm a, I'm a king in Mitzrayim. Right? Who's waiting for you to come? The, the Kafachayim in, in Yeridea brings in the name of the Sefer Darchi Tzedek says that he has, he had a, a, a Kabbalah that it's forbidden for a traveler to say to the one who is accompanying him, okay, go home, go, go back to your house. Because by by telling him to go home, he he kind of uh, 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 cancels out the divine protection that he's supposed to go. And 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 based on that, since it's brought in the in the uh, in the Rishonim, in fact, the Chizkuni uh, uh, brings it, and Dasikenim uh, brings it, and and the Rosh bring that Yosef told his father, "Go home." In other words. That uh, don't uh, bother yourself to take me, take me further. Therefore, Yosef lost his protection, and therefore it seems that what the Zaya means that Yaakov was was convinced that uh, that he had caused his father, that his, his son's death was that because Yosef uh, uh, told him go home, it therefore. Uh, came out that Ye- Yosef was actually going on his journey without the proper protection, and that's why he was he was hurt. Now let's turn our attention to our parsha. In our parsha, it says Shalach Lecha Anoshim. Hashem tells Moshe, "Send your people away." And it's it's strange language. Surely it would have been sufficient for. Hashem to say to Moshe, Shalach HaNoshem, send people. What's the additional Lecha? Rather, it must mean, Shalach Lecha HaNoshem. What is the, what is the, uh, uh, the acronym of the Aleph, Shin, Lamed, right? Uh, sorry, uh, uh, right. Shalach Lecha HaNoshem, Shin, Lamed, Aleph, also stands for Aleph is Achila, Shin of Shlach is Shtia, and Lamed is Levia. Right? In other words, HaKadosh Baruch Hu added on the word Lecha 
to teach Moshe Rabbeinu and to, to hint to him that he should fulfill the mitzvah of accompanying them on the way. And through that, the Miraglim will have a protection that they shouldn't uh, 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 trip up and, and, and be, be waylaid on their, on, the, on their mission. Now, we know the letters of the word Livia contain the majority of the letters of Hashem's name. In other words, Livia, you are being accompanied by Hashem. Right? You are, you are the Shechina, Kedosh, the Holy Shechina is going with you, is accompanying the guests. Therefore, Moshe Rabbeinu, in order to fulfill what Hashem told him, he chose Yeshua to go with him and added to his name the letter Yud. Right? Ko Yeshua Chomi Atzas Miraglim. In other words, that Yud and K, there's letters of the word Levia to hint to him about this special mitzvah of accompanying them, that he, by accompanying the other spies, would fulfill this mitzvah of accompanying them, and through that, they would have a protection. And and he would join with them, and the Shekhinah would join with them. But what actually happened was, Rashi says that they, they wanted to take home some of the fruit, so it says, they picked up a cluster of grapes, and they picked it up with, with a pole with two people. And Rashi asked, since it says that they picked it up with a pole, of course I know that two, you need two people to carry a pole. Why do they have to say the word shnayim? So the Gemara answers, no. They actually had two poles. In other words, eight people. We're carrying this one cluster of grapes. One was carrying a large fig. One was carrying a pomegranate. And Yeshua and Kalev did not take anything. Why? Because they understood that the whole purpose of these ten spies was to then speak negatively about the land of, of, of Eretz Israel. Like, you know, just like its fruit is, is unbelievable, so too the people are strong and un- unconquerable. Therefore, Yeshua actually wasn't together with the spies. He went together with Kalev on the side. And therefore, he did not fulfill with them the mitzvah of Leviah, the mitzvah of accompanying them. And therefore, they lost their protection. In the same way, we can then uh, answer, why was it that Moshe Rabbeinu davened only for Yeshua, that he should be saved from the the, the plot of the Muraglim. Why didn't he daven for Kalev? Right? Because this wasn't a tefillah, just a plain tefillah. This was the mission that Moshe Rabbeinu sent Yeshua of protecting the spies. And by him accompanying them, he would protect them, and that protection would work also for, for Kalev. And therefore it says, singular, he came, right? And Rashi brings that Kalev himself went there and, and davened by the graves of, of the, of the, of the others that he should not, right, uh, be convinced. He shouldn't be sort of, uh, sucked in to the plot of his fellow, of his fellow spies. Now, in other words, when Kalev was by himself without Yeshua with him, so then he no longer had the, 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 the Shemira. He no longer had the protection. And he suddenly felt that, uh, he, he was, he was exposed. He no longer had any kind of protection. And he already felt himself to begin to be drawn, to begin to be sort of convinced after the opinions of, of the other spies. And therefore straight away, he went by himself to Hebron to Davin at the Ma'asamakpelis to be saved from the plot of, of the Muragan. And that's why it says by Kalev, Shem says, Ba'avdi Kalev, my servant Kalev, Ekev Hoisa Ruach Acheres Imoi, 
He had literally another kind of uh, ruach, another spirit with him. He was loyal to me. I'm going to bring him to the land which he came to, to Israel. And his children will inherit it. Why was it Yeshua that he himself didn't get the reward? But Yeshua also didn't, didn't, uh, uh, wasn't, wasn't, uh, sort of dragged after the, the, the Muraglim. Why was, why did Kalev get, get the reward and not Yeshua? So the answer is, of course, Yeshua wasn't in any way swayed to join the Muraglim because of the Tfilah of Moshe Rabbeinu. Yet, for him wasn't even a, a test. It wasn't an, an, an Isaiah. To, to, uh, to, to, that he was going to follow the advice of the, on the Muraglim. On the other hand, Kalev, right, who didn't have the, the help from the Tfilah of, of Moshe Rabbeinu. And his whole success came because he controlled his, uh, Yetzirah and he didn't allow himself to be convinced by them. So he deserves to get rewards for, for, for that. There's a Medrash Rabbah there in, in, in the Pasha that says, Salacha, says, what's Salacha? Is a person uh, uh, allowed to embark on a major sea journey, on the Yama Godal? Are you allowed to go uh, more than three days before Shabbos? And the, the Medrash brings, Chazal taught us that you're not allowed to set sail on a, on a ship, on the Yamagodo, three days before Shabbos, if you're going on a faraway journey. But if you just want to go, sort of, the, the, the example the, the major Springs is, if you're going from the town of Tsur to the town of Tzidon, so then you'd be allowed to go even on Erev Shabbos. Why? Because it's very, very known that it's very easy. It's a very short journey, and you'll still be able to get there in plenty of time. But when is that? Only if you're doing a optional mis- uh, uh, mission. But if you're going as a shliach mitzvah, you're an agent to do a mitzvah, so then you can even go anytime you want. Why? Because you're a shliach mitzvah, and a shliach mitzvah even pushes aside Shabbos itself. Now, the commentary on the on the Medrash, the Mazav says that even though that there is a a, a worry that he could chasvishalom by setting embarking on the journey close to Shabbos, he could very likely come to a situation of Chilul Shabbat, of breaking Shabbos, like perhaps B'dyeved, or he's not going to, you know, it takes a while to get used to a sea journey, he might be a bit seasick, and therefore he might not properly enjoy the Cholent on Shabbos. Nevertheless, since he's doing a, 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 a mitzvah mission, it's, it's, it's fine. Now, Again, the Chidah brings the Sefer Drashim well. He brings that the Shlichus of the Muraglim, the sending of the Muraglim on this mission, took place in the second year of, of the exodus of, of Yidin from, from Mitzrayim. And in fact, that's what the Gemara says in, in, in Tainus. And the Gemara in Shabbos says that Rosh Chodesh Nisan, this is now the second year they went out of Mitzrayim. Rosh Chodesh Nisan in that year was on a Sunday. Why? Because it says 10 that day, which was the day on which the Mishkan was inaugurated. It took 10 crowns that day. And one of those 10 crowns was, this was the, it was the first day of the week. So Rosh Chodesh Nisan that week was on a Sunday. Therefore, if you make the Cheshpin, the 29th day of Sivan would have then been on a Wednesday. Why? Because Nisan is always a what's called a full month, which means it has 30 days. So therefore, 
uh, Nisan ended on a Monday, so Rosh Chodesh Iyar would have been a Tuesday, and Rosh Chodesh Sivan would have been a Wednesday. Now, if the first of Sivan was a Wednesday, four weeks later, the 29th of Sivan, which is the date that the Moraglim left on their, on their mission, was also, would have been a, a Wednesday. Therefore, it comes out that the, the Moraglim left on their journey on a Wednesday, i.e. three days before Shabbos. And that's what the Medrash is asking. Ah, you're not allowed to go on a major journey three days before Shabbos. And if so, how could the Muraglan have gone on the mission on a Wednesday? And the Medrash answers that if, since they were going on a mitzvah mission, a mitzvah mission pushes aside Shabbos, like those uh, two spies that Yeshua uh, sent, Pinchas and, and, and Kalev, but the Muraglim that Moshe Rabbeinu sent, they were Roshayim, and really they should not have gone. And this needs some explanation. How come a shliach mitzvah doesn't need to worry about, about Chil Shabbos? So they explain, based on what the Taz says, that in many places the custom is that we blow the shoifer even during the quiet Shmon Esrei. I, why aren't we conf- worried that people get confused when they hear the shofar and lose their place in the davening? Says no, if they're doing a mitzvah, they have special protection that they won't be confused. So to hear, if you're going on a mitzvah mix- mission, you get special protection that you shouldn't be, have to be Mechal Shabbos. But that's only if it's a mitzvah mission. If it's a, a optional mission, then we do have to worry, and if you mustn't leave more less, uh, uh, three days before Shabbos. So we can say that Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't worried that they were going to make a mistake, because Moshe thought that they were going to really see the Kedusha of Eretz Yisrael, right? That the Ruchni is there, and therefore they shluchim mitzvah, and they won't come to be, to be tripped up. But they in fact went to see the, 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 their own, their own mission. They were no longer doing a, 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 a mitzvah. They were coming to see the, the physical side of Eretz Yisrael. And therefore they didn't have the Shmira and they were, and therefore they did the Avera. But even with their bad intention, had they merited that Yeshua would have been able to stay with them all the time, Yeshua carried with him a name of Hashem's name, a letter of Hashem's name, they could have been protected. That accompaniment that Yeshua would have given them might have accompanied them and might have saved them from the danger. So from here we see the importance of when one has a guest, making sure that you not only wine and dine and make him feel comfortable, but when he leaves, take him with, because that is the greatest protection and the greatest shmira you can possibly get for the rest of his journey. This is 101.9. Chai FM, the program is Soul to Soul. We'll be back in a moment. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM, this is Soul to Soul, back on your radio. Erev Shabbos Kodesh, Pasha Shalach Lecha, Tov Shin Pei Gimel. This is Shabbos Mabarakim of Chodesh Talmud. Warm welcome to those who are joining us now as we go into our Hilchas uh, Shabbos segment. But before we do that, as we always do at this time, just to give you the important details you need to know for this coming Shabbos. So, the latest time. For, no, let's start from the beginning. The earliest time for lighting Shabbos candles this afternoon is a mere hour and a half away. Perhaps it's 4.18, 4.18 already. Smack on the button, 4.18. You can already light your Shabbos candles and get into the spirit of Shabbos. Let the sort of the beauty and the ambiance and the quiet and just the tranquility of Shabbos envelop you, envelop your home and start just to kind of diffuse from all the tensions of the week and just relax and sit down and open a book and and do something worthwhile, do something spiritual, connect with your neshama and, and you'll just find that it's just 
you'll completely unwind like a like a balloon with an airsman taking out. It'll just kind of fizz out and, and become something beautiful and, and transformed and, and spiritual and beautiful. So 418, you can ready light your Shabbos candles. The latest time for lighting Shabbos lift is at six minutes past five. Five oh six is the latest time for lighting Shabbos candles. And and that we have to regard that as always as a deadline that is the latest, the latest time. Yes, there is a allowance in times of great need and perhaps great danger to use the 18 minutes after candle lighting before sunset. But that really, as I always say, that's only injury time. That's only in extreme circumstances to rely on that time. We have to, in the first instance, regard that time as already Shabbos. And by the time 5.06 comes, the candles should be lit. All the mukta should be away. We are in our Shabbos clothes. In fact, the male folks should already be in shul so they can dive in milcha on, on time. And Shabbos has begun in our lives. Shkia is at 5.24. That's the absolute latest time for anything, any kind of uh, a work that is forbidden on, on Shabbos. 5.24 is in sunset. Therefore, if one would like to dive in Meyer at night and not have to repeat the Shwan Esrei, all you have to do is wait until 5.42. 5.42 is ready. Proper night, you can dive in Meyer and, and not need to repeat the Krishna afterwards. And then you're home and you have a beautiful, beautiful evening together with your friends, together with your family, some beautiful warm food. It's been a bit chilly this, this week, something nice and warm to warm the cocktails of your, of your heart. And then a beautiful long evening to sit and study some Torah and enrich yourself and spend time with the family, discuss things, make it a really, really beautiful, positive family, family uh, uh, experience until sort of you go to bedtime, you go to bed a bit, a bit uh, uh, later. Tomorrow morning is Shabbos Kodesh Pasha Shalach Lecha, story, as you know, of the Meraglim, the Aftoira is the one appropriate for that Pasha, which is the second incident of the Meraglim or Yeshua at the beginning of, of the Sefer of Yeshua sends spies just to reconnoiter, just to sort of test the moods and the courage of the people in Israel and the story of how they fared going to uh, and meeting this lady Yerachov and the whole story that ensued that ensued over over there. Very different story than the one in our in our uh, in our Parsha. So then, so that's the normal Haftarah. This week is Shabbos Mavarchim for Chodesh Tammuz. Rosh Chodesh will be on Monday and Tuesday of this week. Two days Rosh Chodesh for, for Tammuz. So we'll do Shabbos Mavarchim. And of course, whatever special Menhagim or practices or Shurim or Brachas that Yeshul has for Shabbos Mavarchim. Well, this is a week they're going to, they're going to happen and enjoy them and be, be inspired by, by them. This week in, in the afternoon, we're going to be reading, uh, Perik Gimel, uh, Perik Yavis, the third, the third Perik. And again, spend some time this afternoon going through it, looking at the Mishnahis, looking at some of the amazing lessons and practical, practical things we learn from all of these, all of these, uh, uh Mishnahis, Perik Gimel. This, this Shabbos, Shabbos Kodesh ends tomorrow night at 5.58. It's already a minute later. Rabbi Sai, summer is on the way. It's starting to, to, uh, to come. And then, of course, we go into this weekend. We have a Shredish, and it should be a please God, a blessed and beautiful, uh, week for all, for all of us. Now we go back and talk about food that was in a oven. You had food that was inside the oven and was hot. And now I took it out in order, let's say, to take some of the food. I wanted to serve some of the food. I took some of the food out. You're not allowed to return it into the oven for two very distinct reasons why you can't put food back in the oven. Number one, that since there's nothing that's going to in any way be able to minimize the, the heat of the oven, that you can't, there's no blech in the oven. So therefore we worry that when you put the cooked food back into the oven, you'll forget that today is Shabbos 
and you might come to change the dial and raise the, the temperature of, of the oven. That's the first problem. The second problem is that this putting it back in the oven looks like an act of, of cooking. But let's say I would construct a little box with, with four sides, a cube, and I would put that into the oven. Right? And, and that would be a clear indication to me that, that, okay, one second, this is now not the normal oven, this is a, a, a special Shabbos oven. Then you'd be allowed to put the food back into the oven because in such a way, we don't have to worry that you might come to raise the, the dial and, 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 and change, and change it. Cause the, 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 the change you've made by putting that box is so significant that will remind you not to touch the dials. And furthermore, the, the returning of that cooked foods, uh, it, if, since you're doing it to an unusual situation, not the normal situation of an oven, so it doesn't look like you're, you're cooking because it's unusual to cook in a little, in a little, uh, box. And it would seem, therefore, that one, one could possibly be, be lenient, even if you put, let's say, a, a, uh, or, or some kind of upside down pot or plate on the floor of the oven, and then you'll put the tafshil on top of that, or if you, again, if you cover all the dials, all the controls of the oven, then that again works to ensure that you won't be able to change the heat of the of, of the oven. Now, this is all based on the general principles of putting food back in the oven, which we've learned together over the last couple of of, uh, of weeks. That since the food was in the oven, and now you took it out with the intention of putting it back, Right? So then it doesn't look so much like, like cooking. But it's also to take a cold food and to put it inside the hot oven because that definitely looks exactly like the activity of, of, of cooking. Now, if you have a timer on that, on that oven, so then at the time when the oven is cold when the oven's off, then you'd be allowed to put food into the oven again, food that is completely cooked in order that they should get warmed when the oven goes on a bit, a bit later. Now that putting it into the oven is not cold, uh, doesn't look like cooking because it's being done at a time when the oven is is cold, and therefore, to to uh, 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 in order to prevent oneself from being in a situation where you might come to change the dials, so therefore you have to sort of hide all the controls, all the dials, or again to put the the cooked food on a upside down pot inside the the oven so that it's not directly on. On the, on the oven. Right? However, the Arpaiskin that even forbids, forbid that, because according to them, even when the, when the oven is cold, putting the food into it in order that it should become hot later still definitely looks like, like, uh, 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 cooking. But, practically speaking, for, since we're talking here about a, a din, uh, a Maybe if one needs to, one can rely certainly on the, on the lenient opinion. Okay, we're, we're going to come back in a moment with some final comments. This is 101.9. Chai FM, the program is sold to soul, and this is the greatest Jewish radio station in all of Africa. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM, this is Soul to Soul, back on your radio, Erev Shabbos Kodesh Parshas, Shalach L'chot Tavshin Pei Gimel. We are here together, Baruch Shem, another few minutes till we run away and do the last things we need to do to get Shabbos ready. We are talking about putting food back 
onto a platter or into an oven. Some people like to put around their platter like uh, like they make a little wall, a little metal wall around it to sort of create almost like a cage for the food in order and in order to obviously to keep it uh, hot. So into that little uh, uh, cook, into that little uh, uh, cage, one will be allowed to return cooked food that you took down from the plata. And that's not considered like bishul because we don't usually cook in a little, uh, uh, you know, a little box like that. And the, your whole purpose in doing that is, of course, just to help to keep the heat of the, of the various foods that uh, that are obviously cooked, uh, completely cooked, and which you put on the uh, on the planter, right? And those who have the minute to place on the planter uh, cold foods, which is completely cooked, as we, as we'll see later on. So then they could also put it on this planter, which is surrounded by by sides, and those who are machmir. And won't allow you to put things directly on the platter, so you'd be allowed to put it on over on on uh, on the pot. Put a pot on the platter with some food in it, and you put your pot on top of it, and that's no problem at all. And and putting it in that little uh, box is not an iser of uh, uh, hatmana. Why? Because the iser hatmana, which we'll learn about next week, only is a problem where. There's a complete contact between the pot and that which you're using to wrap it up. And here, of course, the pot is not touching at all, or the, the sides of the of the little of the little cage, and therefore that is mutter to do on 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 Shabbos. Well, that's about all the time we're going to have this week for our our, uh, our conversation. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you got something out of it. Really. Uh, uh, it is such an honor and privilege for me to be able to have this time with you. And I just want to wish you the opportunity to make this Shabbos a really, really beautiful Shabbos. The Shabbos of Argument is a special Shabbos. Uh, some people, we're going into a bit of a holiday season soon. So let's take advantage. Today, of course, is a public holiday. Uh, many of us aren't at work and therefore really... We have every reason to be able to get Shabbos ready early and start Shabbos on time and really kind of sort of get, you know, change gears in the correct time so that we get into Shabbos in, in the right mood, in the right kind of vibe. But now all that's left for me to do is to wish all of our radio family a beautiful, geshmat, inspired, and warm good Shabbos.